Hello and welcome to the official podcast of Solid Ground Church, where every week we share messages recorded during our weekly gatherings in Lewis, Delaware. If you have questions or if we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now, let's get to this week's message. Hey, my name is Josh and I'm one of the pastors here and uh, I'm super excited to get to um, share this morning. We're going to continue going through the book of Acts together. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go to Acts 3 and we will get there um, in a few seconds. I realized I just put my hand in my pocket and my kid keeps putting his hand in his pocket all the time. And somebody said, it's because you do it all the time. And I was like, no, it's not. And I just realized it's because I do it all the time. (laughs) Um, I'm doing it right now. Um, But uh, good morning. Welcome. I like to put my hands in my pocket. But uh, before we get into it, who's the Eagles fans in the room? You guys don't sound like, like that excited. You guys nervous? Scared? Look, all right, go Birds, yeah. Uh, I've been told I talk about the Eagles too much on stage, but Pastor Bird's not here, so he'll have to wait till tomorrow to yell at me. Um, I didn't sleep that well last night. I don't know if it was a combination of, like, preaching, being nervous for the Super Bowl, or I watched the zombie show right before I went to bed, like, immediately before I went to bed, and I just, like, laid there for a little bit, like, what if the end of the world happens? Like, am I prepared? And, like, have to check to make sure I have, like, an emergency blanket, um, some mountain house food and all that stuff. But I think, I think it was more of the Eagles. I, I was just talking to uh, a friend before church, and I was saying, like, I don't, get, I don't believe in luck or I don't get superstitious about anything until sports happen. And then it's like my whole theology flies out the window. Um, I, I'm like, you know, somebody would be like, they'll wish me luck before I go out to preach. But like, I don't believe in luck. I have the Holy Spirit. And then the Eagles get in the Super Bowl. I'm like, Lord, I don't know if there's luck or superstition. Like, I haven't wore a jersey all year. I'm not going to wear it today because I don't want to jinx the Eagles. Um, but, uh, yeah, I get weird when things happen, when, when, when things I care about, like sports. It's so silly, right? I just, I love this city of Philadelphia, and I want them to win because I think they're the most passionate people in the world. I always talk about if we could just channel that passion to Jesus, the world would never look the same. But rather, they're going to rip down light posts. Um, but, if, <laughs> but if we could channel it to, to the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus would come back tomorrow because they, they, the, they were just like, where do we need to go? We'll do it all. They'd be all over the place. But all that to say, we're in the book of Acts. Um, if you have a Bible with you, I'm not good at opening up stuff. Um, If you have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have it, it'll be on the screen. And it starts with this, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, and at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon, now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for money. uh, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went uh, with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gates called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement 
at what had happened to him. What, a, what an amazing story. And you ever read these stories and um, we read about miracles and, and for us, we read about it and it's just like in an instant. But you ever think about what has to happen in like in this moment for this miracle. This guy who has been lame since birth, um, he can't walk, he has to be carried to this place. Um, so he, so his, his legs, his, all his muscles are probably atrophied. He has, he, he is, he's skinny, he doesn't have any muscle, he doesn't have any balance, he can't stand up on his own. How many of you have ever like, had to been to physical therapy or have had a family member go to physical therapy and have to learn to rewalk? And it takes, can take months, years for these people to relearn this skill that we think is just so simple. But in an instant, this man just gets up and walks. That God, like, we, we just read it and it's like, we just read it as he gets up and he walks. But do you think about the, the craziness, the, the, the things that are happening inside of his body that we don't see? That the, these muscles are being regrown. These tendons are being regrown. He, he is gaining balance. Like, it took my kid 13 months to be able to, like, walk like this. And this man, in a second, they just say, get up and walk. He's up. He's running. He's jumping. I mean, think about it. If you've ever been to physical therapy to, to, to walk or anything like that, like, you, you learn to walk. It's not like you go in one day, you walk, you're jumping, you're running. It, it takes time and a process to get back to this thing. But we serve a God who gets right to it. That we, we serve this God who, who, who just, he, his process is in a second because that's how powerful and that's how big he is. And it's this amazing moment. I just think about if I were to witness this and it, because we just see what the people, once they're in the temple, they're like, wow, that guy, we know who that guy is, but we don't get the reaction of the people who are like standing there watching it happen. Could you imagine you're standing there and you're just watching like somebody's leg just muscle regrow, and they're like, I'd be out. I'd be like, I know we're supposed to go to pray, but this is freaking me out. I gotta leave. Like his leg just like boop, back, back to back to normal. It would it would just absolutely freak me out. And I, I'd imagine that miracles were kind of freaky sometimes to people as well. Every time we read a miracle or we go through, I ask Pastor Bert, I'm like, what do you think it looked like? Like when when Jesus uses the fish and the loaves, like what did it look like? Did like every time they reached in the basket, the basket never got empty. Or, like, did it get empty and then, like, smacked it and more fish popped up? Like, what, what did the miracles look like? I always wonder. We read the stories. We, 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 we see what happens and we see the reaction, but we never, we never get the, I want the nitty-gritty details. I want to know, I want to know how it happened and what it looked like and what people, like, I want to, I want to hear about people getting freaked out in the moment. But I also read this story and I find it really, really um, humorous at times because Peter and John, if you know throughout the Gospels, um, it seems like Peter and John are constantly in competition to be Jesus' best friend. Um, we read in the, the Gospel of John that, you know, John likes to point out that he was Jesus' beloved disciple, and he likes to point out that he can beat Peter in a foot race. So I imagine that, like, they're probably friends, but have you ever had a friend that, like, was the glue to a relationship with another friend? Like, I always think of the show New Girl, and there's three main guys in the show, Nick, Schmidt and Winston. And Nick is the friendship glue to the people in the group. Like Nick was childhood friends with Winston and he was uh, Schmidt's roommate. And there's an episode where Nick is gone and Winston and Schmidt have to hang out and they're roommates and they realize that they have no idea how to spend time or, or have a relationship with each other absent of Nick. 
And it's super awkward and it's super weird. And I imagine for this, it is, that's what it must be like for Peter and John. Like they, they spent the whole time while they're with Jesus trying to be Jesus's best friend and his favorite disciple. And then Jesus, he, he ascends to heaven and they have to like spend time together. And I just imagine the walk to the temple is like super silent. Like, remember that time that Jesus turned water into wine? Yeah, that was cool. And John's like, remember that time I beat you in a foot race? That was also cool. Um, but I imagine that Jesus is the friendship glue in this moment, and, it's, and it might be awkward for them. And that's how it is for me and Pastor Bert sometimes. Pa- Pastor Bert will take me to conferences, and he knows all these people, and will talk to people and introduce me to them, and then he walks and talks to someone else, and I'm just stuck there with, like, another pastor that I don't know. He's like, hey, I'm awkward. And, <laughs> um, where'd Bert go? And I just go find him. Um, but we see this. I imagine it's this, it's this friendship glue in this moment. Um, But also, when we read this, we have to understand something. We have to understand something about Peter and John, that Peter and John um, are still extremely Jewish. That for the for the people, for Jesus' disciples, is that they didn't have a, a conversion moment the way that we had a conversion moment. It wasn't that there was one point in time where they weren't uh, they, they weren't something and they became something. For them, Jesus was the fulfillment of the faith that they were already living out. And we can see that in just the first verse. It says they were going to the temple to pray. The Jewish people prayed three times a day. And they're going to the temple to pray. And this is good to understand for our framework when we're going through the scriptures because we're dealing with people who are extremely Jewish. These people who have this, this large understanding of the Jewish canon, which is the Old Testament, and, and, it is, and it is propelling and is fueling their thoughts about Jesus. See, for them, they didn't become Christians. They were just Jewish followers of Jesus. That they believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of the faith that they were already living out. So they are doing a very Jewish thing. Leah was telling me of a student um, and sometimes people don't understand this. They don't understand that the disciples were Jewish and Jesus was Jewish. She was telling me of a student at our school that in the Bible class, the teacher said that Jesus was a Jew and the kid responded, that's racist. And he was like, no, he, he is Jewish. He is Jewish. He was a Jewish man. But, some people, but as we read the Bible, because our experience of Christianity is strictly Christians. But the reality is then that Jesus was extremely Jewish, that Peter was extremely Jewish, that Paul and John and all the other disciples were extremely Jewish. That's who they were. That was their faith. And Jesus was the fulfillment of their faith. And it was the fulfillment, and they were going to continue to follow. So as they followed Jesus, they still kept some of the the rules and laws. And we'll see that through Scripture, that God works on them and and changes their mind about things that they they had preconceived notions about. and, And God's working in, in them and through them. And, and we, but we just need to take in regard to that as we read the scriptures and as we read this, that this is the framework of the world that they're living in. So as we jump back into Acts, I want to reread Acts 3.1 again. It says, One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. I want you, if you're, if you're taking notes, you can just write this down. The, the work of God isn't just regulated to a Sunday service. The work of God isn't just regulated to a Sunday service. Sometimes I believe, um, sometimes I think we believe as, as American Christians that the work of God only happens inside these four walls. 
That for somehow we still have this temple mentality that, that God only works in and he only moves and we can only be close to him. We can only experience him and pray to him and, and have him show us something if we are at a church service with our arms in the air and worshiping or somebody standing and preaching. But we see in this moment that, that God works outside of the, of the church walls, that Peter and John, they are walking on the street and they see a man get healed. It's not just that people get healed or people get a word or people experience salvation in a church service, but God is way bigger. The work of God isn't just regulated to the four walls of a church. And we see this in our culture all the time. Um, I remember the movie, uh, We Were Soldiers, and there's a scene where he is going to make peace with God. And where is he sitting? He's sitting in a church. Did you say, I don't know? <laughs> Somebody whispered, I don't know. Oh, he's sitting in a church. Um, And it's this mentality that we can only experience God if we're in these holy places. That we can only experience God if we're inside a church with, within the four walls. What we see is that that's not the truth. That Peter and John, they're, they're on their way to church and they stop and they see this man. And with just simply the name of Jesus, say in the name of Jesus Christ, walk. And he gets up and he walks. And we have to ask ourselves, what is the purpose of being able to, the, the, the spiritual gifts in the church, if they're only for Sunday morning? Because, because the spiritual gifts in the Holy Spirit aren't just a way for us to be entertained, but it's a way for the gospel of Jesus Christ to go forward. And we see that in Ephesians 4, 12, it says, the, talking about gifts, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up that we have these gifts, these, that God has given us these gifts so that we can go and we can be equipped for service, that we can go and build up the body of Christ, that we can build up the church. And in 1 Corinthians 4, 12, it says, so it is with you, since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. See, the reason that God does these things, and, and, it isn't, and I believe it's not just regulated to a Sunday morning experience, it's because God, is in, God is, isn't just in the business of working in this room with us right now, but he's in the business of working in the entire world with everybody. See, that this healing, we'll see at the end of the story, this healing that happens outside of church is a catalyst for people to, be, to awaken, and they're seeing this amazing thing that happened, and they're awoken to the idea of Jesus Christ and what is happening. They, it says they are amazed by the signs and wonders. And I believe that in this moment, there's a lot of things happening in this text. So if you want to go back into Acts 3, 4 through 7, it says this. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, walk, taking him by the hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. It, in the beginning of this chapter, it's telling us that this man sat at this gate every single day. So the chances are that Peter and John have encountered this man before are extremely high, that, that on their time of prayer, they could have easily walked past this man multiple times in their life, multiple times in his life. They could have, they could have walked past him multiple times in a day. He's sitting there all day long, but there's something that's different in this moment. There's something different that happens in this time. There's something that happens to Peter and John that, they, that this man catches his, their attention. And it says that Peter looks straight at him. 
And if you read uh, scholars and, and other pastors, what they believe is that, see, we see the gift of healing, but there's also other gifts that are happening behind the scenes. That Peter and John were given what we'd call a, a word of knowledge, that God had enlightened and impressed something on them to look at this man because God wanted to do something through him. And another scholar named, uh, that I like, his name's David Campbell, um, he says that in this moment we can see um, there, because Peter and John have walked past this man every single day, that we can assume that the gift of faith, which is a supernatural impartation of faith that wasn't there previously, that is there for a moment, is inside of them, and that's what is the catalyst for them to tell the man to walk. Because they're walking past this man every day. They know who this guy is. And what's different about this moment is that God impressed upon them. God highlighted this man to them, and they had the faith. They had the knowledge. They had the the faith in God to go and to tell this man to get up and walk. See, gifts aren't, they aren't superpowers, you know? Like, why did Peter and John do this? It wasn't so Peter and John could be really cool. It wasn't so Peter and John could, like, could be loved by the community. Because every time we, like, if you, if you read through the Acts, it seems like people don't like the disciples every time a miracle happens. They get mad. They throw them into jail. They, they get frustrated with them. But what we see at the end of this is this guy gets up and he's praising God. It, it was the catalyst in, inside this guy's life that changed his life forever. See, I, I believe he was healed, but he was also saved. And sometimes the miracles can be the catalyst for salvation for that person, but for the people around them. See, I don't want to be a church that is content with just seeing the work of God in the side of these four walls. See, I want to be a church that goes out into the streets, out into the spaces of our community, who is willing to pray for people, who is willing to, to look at the people that people have forgotten. I imagine how many people have walked past this man in that day and no one looked at him, that no one saw him, that no one noticed him. He's just sitting there. And when it says that Peter looked straight at him, it makes me reminds me of who our God is, that he is intimate, that he knows you because Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. If Peter is following Jesus, he's living like Jesus. And, and if we're going to look at Peter, we need to live the same way that they do. And we need, when, when God calls us to someone, it's not like Peter just walked by and like smacked him with his cloak and was like, walk, and kept walking into the temple. Is that This guy is sitting down. He, he, he's lame. I imagine Peter getting down on his hands and knees and saying, look at me. And the man looks at him. When's the last time somebody's looked at him in the eyes? When's the last time that he puts out his hand? When's the last time that somebody other than his friends carrying there has, has held his hand? See, that's who Jesus wants us to be to the people he's called us to. That he's, he gets down on our level. We see him. He wants us to be like this, to get down, to, to look at people in the eye. See, because God goes after the forgotten people. So I don't want to be a church that's content with just talking about these things and, and reading about them in the Bible, but I want to be a church that's living them out every day of the week. I'm not telling you to, like, run out to the store and just, like, start praying for every single person you see. Like, you walk and, and you stop limping and, and you don't. That would be weird. 
Um, we, see, we see in this moment that God has, has strategically worked this into Peter and John's life, that God has highlighted this guy, and he, he has put them in this place to see this happen. They're not just like willy-nilly going around with the name of Jesus, just in the name of Jesus. That's not what they're doing. This is a very purposeful moment, and they're very aware of the Spirit of God. And the second point, if, if you're writing, writing anything down, I want you to write this down, that, that worship goes up, not out. That we can see from this, this piece of Scripture that worship goes up, not out. In Acts 3, 8 through 10, it says this, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them in the temple courts, jumping, walking, jumping, and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, excuse me, they recognized him as the man, the same man who was sitting and begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. If you notice this man's direction of his worship, it goes up. It goes up to God. He said he's praising God. See, we live in a, in a, a church culture that oftentimes elevates the, the, the servant and not the master. We live in a, like, celebrity culture has creeped into the church where we have pastors and, and leaders and evangelists and all these people who, are, who are, have been elevated onto a platform that I don't believe was ever meant for human beings. And the worship goes out and not up. And in this moment, we see that God does a miraculous thing through Peter and John. And it, with our human nature, it could be very, very easy that if we were on the receiving end of a miracle or we witnessed a miracle for the worship to go out. Say, I need to be closer to that guy. I need to be closer to Peter. I need to be closer to John. Who are they? That I need to follow them. And they could easily become an idol in the eyes of the people around them, even for that guy. But what it says is that he's praising God, that his worship goes up. And I want to ask you, this morning, what is the direction of your worship? Like if you, when God does something amazing that, or you experience something or you, let's say you're on the receiving end of a miracle, you're on the receiving end of an amazing word, you're on the receiving end of something absolutely that is 100% from God, what is the direction of your worship? Is it going up or is it going out? Because the direction of our worship needs to go up. And First Peter says that, that in everything, God be glorified. This is not about the glorification of man, but it's strictly for God, that God is in the business of building his kingdom, not mine and not yours. One of the things I pray before I get on stage is that when you guys leave, that you forget that I, like, like in Spider-Man, No Way Home, that they cast a spell thingy and everyone forgets about Peter Parker. I pray that you guys forget about me. But I, don't for, I pray that you don't forget that what God spoke to you at church. I pray that, that we can look back at, that, back at history and, and we can say there's a move of God in Lewis, but all of our names and the church name is, just, is erased from history because it's not about me and it's not about you and it's not about this church, but it's about Jesus. And our worship needs to go up and not out. We need to make it about him and not about us. And in these moments, because church, I believe that God is doing something in our church that we're going to pray for people and they're going to see healing. That you're going to give a word to somebody and they're going to be encouraged and built up. That they are going to experience the Holy Spirit in a way that they've never experienced. Not because solid ground is so great, but because we're saying, God, we are here and we are ready and we want to minister to your people. 
And I want to be careful in these moments because it could be really easy for, to allow the worship to come to us and not let the worship go up to God. So my prayer before I get on stage at night, in the morning, when I'm freaking out in the back room 10 minutes before I come out, is God, let them forget about me. I want you to leave church and someone asks who preached, but I go, well, I don't know. I forget. I don't remember who it was. It was somebody. I couldn't remember their name. See, we need to elevate the master and not the servant. So when we experience these miracles and wonders, make sure that our worship goes up. Because church, I believe we're going to see it happen in this community. I believe in our culture, in our day and age, it's the only way that some people are ever going to believe that there's still a God. It's because we live in a world where you can have whatever you want whenever you want it. So why do I need to, like, I, I can build my own little kingdom. But the thing that they can't do is the things that God does. And I think we're going to be a church, not because we're special or different, but because we're open. So when, we, when these things happen, our worship needs to go up and not out. And the third thing I want you to write down is understanding your needs in the name of Jesus. Understanding your needs in the name of Jesus. Of Jesus, And we're going to go back to the beginning of the chapter. And it says in, in verse 2, it says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg for those going into the temple courts. Very strategic plan, by the way. He's, he's sitting outside of church. That's what he's doing. He's begging outside of church. Strategic. You're going to, no one's going to, like, if I'm... He's going to make money sitting outside of there. You, know, you, guys would, you guys would feel bad coming into church and not helping the guy that is sitting outside of it, right? Strategic planning on his part. Great business model. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them their attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And we can see that last week, Pastor Burt talked about how the, 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 the church in Acts, they were, giving the, they were giving things away to take care of the people around them. We can actually see, in, like, silver or gold, I do not have. It's because Peter and John have given up all their earthly possessions to pursue the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they don't have extra. It's not like... It's not like they don't have any cash on them, but they could go to the ATM real quick and get some. They, they don't have anything. They have the bare necessities that they need to go and, and to live and to share the Gospels. And all they have is the name of Jesus. So when they say, like, silver or gold I do not have, but what I give you in the name of Jesus, walk. It's not just a nice thing that followers of Jesus were, were saying. They, they had nothing. They deemed that these worldly possessions useless in the eyes of the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. And I'm not telling you to give everything away. That's not what I'm saying. I like things. I like shoes and shirts. This one's new. Leah bought it for me. I didn't buy it. But what if we viewed Jesus the way that the, the disciples viewed Jesus? What if we, he was the most important, the most valuable, the greatest thing that we had to offer? That if we were in a moment like this and, 
and somebody asks for it, like, I don't have what you, what you want, but I have what you need. His name is Jesus. See, in this moment, what we see is that this man is sitting there. He's asking for what he needs or what he believes he needs. Because for him, I wonder if he's been this way, as it says, since birth. He's just counted out the chance that anything would ever be different. That he's been lame, he's been paralyzed since birth, and he just assumes that, that he doesn't assume, he knows that this is his reality, that nothing is ever going to change. This is who he is, this is what he does. So the only thing he is worried about is where he's going to get his next meal. So he sits out there and he begs for money because what he believes the thing that he ultimately needs the most is money so that he can put food in his body. And he's sitting outside the temple gates of a God who is so powerful, a God who is so mighty, a God who is so able. So I want to ask you this morning, why did you show up? Because he showed up to get money. He showed up to make sure he could have money to eat, that, to, to, to fill his stomach maybe, to to pay rent maybe to pay the people who are carrying him to the gate. Like he, he, he's, he believes he needs one thing, but what we can see is that he actually needs something far greater. So I want to ask you this morning is why did you show up? See, did you, did you, did you show up this morning because you had a friend who just like would not stop inviting you? Like if I show up, they'll, like, they'll never text me again. It'll be, it'll be good and I never have to come ever again. Or maybe it's like you've been promising, like, Grandma, you'd go to church at some point in time, and you're like, I'm up early this morning. I'll Google churches, and solid ground was the first one that popped up, so you dropped in the GPS and you drove over here. I don't know. But what if I told you that God wants to do something bigger than the reason that you showed up this morning? What if you just showed up because you just wanted to, like, you wanted that feel, you wanted to hear Nikki sing, because when Nikki sings, you just, you just you feel so good. She's a great singer. Or maybe you just like, you, you come to church because you have this temple mentality and you think that the only place you can experience God is, is here and you just want to feel that feeling of the presence and you just want to hear the Bible. And this is just, all this is is just a, a way for you to charge up for the rest of your week. And you're going to go and, and, and nothing else is going to happen. Or maybe you came because you're desperate. And, and, and you're looking for help, and, and you've heard about this wacky church in Lewis that where we pray for people to be healed, and we believe in the Bible stuff, and you're hoping that God meets you in this moment. But what if I told you that sometimes the reason why we show up, God wants to do something even bigger, that the thing that we think we need, the thing that we want, is not the thing that we actually need. See, in this moment, this man believes that all he needs is money to get by on the next day, but what he needs is an encounter with the living God. I can remember, um, it's, it was a min- ministry fumble for me. I was with Pastor Burt, and we're praying for this woman, this, this woman and she's asking, I, I can't remember what she's asking for. And, uh, but I remember Pastor Burt saying, she's asking for prayer for something, and, and Pastor Burt goes, Josh, do you, do you have a word for her? And I was like, no, 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 no. And uh, then immediately I did the next thing. She was asking for prayer for something, but God impressed on me that the, the, the thing that she was asking prayer for was actually a symptom for something greater in her life. 
and I chickened out because the thing was far more bold than I would have ever said. And that's how I knew it was from God. But I don't like to like make people uncomfortable. I get uncomfortable really quick. I, I, Bert, Pastor Bert thinks I like confrontation. I get so scared all the time. Like somebody parked in my driveway the other day. I'm not in my driveway, blocking it last night. I was like, all right, 30 minutes. If they're still there in 30 minutes, I'm going to go over. <laughs> and it was like 30 minutes had, had, 30 minutes had wrapped up. I opened the door. I was like, I'm going to go yell at these people. The car was going. I was like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I was getting so sweaty. I was so scared. I'm, like, I'm not a fighter, man. What if they try to beat me up? I don't know. I'm not super confrontational. But sometimes we come to God and we think what we, what, we, what we want is what we need, but there's something greater, that God wants to do a greater work inside of us. I can remember in my own experience when I was in college, we were, I, me and my roommate were working out like fiends. We were working out more than we studied. I have a degree, so it worked out, so take that college. But uh, we were working out more than we were studying, and I, I, uh, I have this problem where I have to be the best at everything that I do. And I don't know where I get it from, Probably, like, rhymes with, like, mom and dad. But, uh, yeah, I don't know where I get it from. But I just have to be the best at everything I do. Like, you can ask all my friends. I started playing basketball. I don't even like basketball, but I'm out there in, in the driver, like, mm, mm, like, doing it in between. Like, I'm watching YouTube videos, like, how to get handles, like Kyrie Irving. Like, all these things. And, and in college, I was like, I need to be, I need to squat the most, I need to be the strongest guy in, in my dorm. And I, I did it. And my knees started to hurt so bad that I couldn't get up and down the stairs. And we were going to a church that was, that was more charismatic than I had ever experienced up to this time. And I went and I, and I asked for a prayer. They, they prayed for healing at the end of every single service. And I'm, and I'm praying. I'm asking this guy, like, hey, I love working out. I, I want to squat. I want to, you know, I want to be this big. I want to look like an NFL linebacker. Uh, and uh, he's praying for me. And he said, hey, God has showed me that the reason he's hurt your knees is because you're so arrogant. And I was like, oh. <laughs> like, your knees, like, it, your knees are just direct, this is for real. Knees are a direct result of your arrogance towards your friends in the competition. Like, you were actually, you were actually driving a wedge in your friendship because you were trying to be better and stronger. That your friends are your competition and not your friends. And he said, what I feel like God is telling me is that you need to go and you need to apologize to your friends. I'm like, I don't, I'm a man. I don't apologize for anything. So I go back to my dorm. This is, we're all, we're all playing, staying up all night playing Game Boy. Like, this is how much I, we weren't studying. Um, but uh, we're playing Game Boy, and I was like, super awkward. I'm like, hey, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. Like, for what? Like, for, for being a jerk about trying to be stronger than all you guys. And would you, I woke up the next day, and my knees didn't hurt anymore. See, the thing that I thought I needed was just like some, some physical healing for my knees so I could keep on whooping my friends in the gym. They all live separate anymore. My knees haven't hurt. They're all stronger than me, so surprise. Uh, my knees, what I thought I needed was healing in my knees. But what God needed to do was heal something in my heart. And it, the knees were just kind of a thorn and a reminder and a nuisance that there was actually something else off inside of me. So sometimes we come to God and we think we need one thing, but God wants to do something different inside of you. So I want to ask you, why did you show up this morning? Why did you show up this morning? Maybe you're in this spot where you've just rationalized in your life 
like this man, like he's just come to this point where his reality is that he's lame and he's never gonna be anything different. And maybe there's some things in your life that you've done the same thing too. Because here's the thing. I don't believe this is just stories for us to read. I believe that if it's in the book, it's for you and me. I believe that, that the work of God doesn't just have to be a story that we read, but a reality that we can live. That, that we serve a God who still heals. We serve a God who still shows up. We serve a God who still speaks, who encourages, who builds us up. That if it's in this book, it's not just a story, but it's a reality that we can live out. That the story of this lame beggar can also be our story. That look, look, I believe that this morning that if you, like we're gonna end in a few minutes and I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna stand to the edge and if you need prayer, you want healing in your body, we'll seek God together. We'll pray for it because I believe it's a reality that you can experience. It's not just a story that we read about, but it is a real thing. And look, I don't wanna just just say that it is just for physical stuff. Look, here's the reality is that you, we experience brokenness in our lives in many different ways. See, maybe you've lived your life and, and you've been in pain for years and years and years and years and years and you just assume that I've lived this way, I'm gonna die this way. I want you to know there's a God bigger than that. Maybe for you, you've just lived with anxiety and depression and you just assume that that's who you're going to be for the rest of your life. I've seen God heal people from that. Be free from that. I'm not going to cry. Maybe it's discomfort. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a, a thought pattern that you have in your head that you thought that you just assume that, like, I, I just do this thing. This is who I am. I just think this way. This is who I am, and nothing's ever going to be different. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to seek the God who can heal it. I remember my wife didn't know I was going to do this. Sorry. I love you. But my wife had some of the worst anxiety I'd ever seen in my entire life. And I never understood it, right, because... I wasn't, like, I was anxious. Like, I got nervous for things. I, I wrestled, and I was, like, I was nervous because I'm, like, pretty much just, like, wearing underwear in front of hundreds of people <laughs> on, a, on a mat with a spotlight. And, you know, I was always afraid of getting hurt or something like that. Um, but my wife would have these, like, when we were dating, she'd have these, like, massive panic attacks where we'd be somewhere, and I'd, like, turn around to talk to her, and she's just gone. I'm, like, where'd she go? And I'd have to find her, and she'd have these anxiety attacks that were just, like, crippling and we're at summer camp. Um, you know, we're there to serve, not, like, we, we go to summer camp, and we don't think that, like, we're there to make sure these students have an experience with God. And I look over, and she's, like, on her knees. She's, she's worshiping, right? And she comes, she's like, I'm healed. Like, what are you talking about? This is, like, this is, this is, Leah is just the anxious person I know, like, right? And uh, she, was, she was healed. She's, she's really healed. She would say so to this day. She would say that sometimes she feels anxious, but the, the spirit of anxiety doesn't have a, a foothold on her life anymore. And I want you to know that, like, that you're not alone. So here's the thing that the enemy wants you to do, that the things that are going on in your life, the things that are happening in your life, your, your anxious thoughts, your, your depression, your pain, your heartache, your trauma, that the enemy would like you to think that you are alone. And, and if you just... Sometimes if you just bring it to, the, to light and you realize that you're not alone 
That's when God starts working in it. I talk about my wife having anxiety. After my son was born, I've not admitted this from stage, um, I got super depressed. My wife would find me. Oh, man, we're live streaming. I should have just waited to say all this for the next service. Um, I have to edit all this tomorrow. It's going to be fun. Um, after my son was born, I got super depressed. And I, I don't know why. It was the greatest moment of my life. Like, he is the best. Annoying, but the best. <laughs> I got super depressed. My wife would find me, like, curled up in a ball, crying. And I started to believe this lie that, that, uh, that I wasn't good enough for my family. And I got super just down. And I, I can smile through anything. And no one knew. I put on a big, tough face, and I came to work every day. You know, I'd do all the church things. It was during COVID, too, which didn't help. Um, like, locked up, like, prisoners in our house. And, uh, and uh, I, we'd come, and we'd film church, and I'd smile, and we'd, I'd go home, and everything would be all right. But deep down inside, I, like, I felt like I was collapsing on the inside. And I don't know why. And I finally admitted it to Pastor Burt. He prayed for me. And I got into community with some guys. And I had a friend who, one of my best friends, he said, hey, man, you've really been on my heart. I feel like you need to be around some other guys. I was like, where were you six months ago, buddy, when I was crying in the closet? Because um, I'm crying in, the, crying in the closet right now. Um, and uh, I'm saying all this is just to say that you're not alone. That the things that you're going through are not just not just unique to you, that the enemy would want you to think that you're all by yourself. And then I watched my wife go through, like, anxiety and depression for years and never understood it. And I watched her think that she was alone, that she was all by herself, that no one understood her. And I went through it, and I knew I had somebody next to me who understood, but I still felt like I couldn't say anything. I still felt like I was super alone. And I forgot that we serve a God who can heal, that a God is bigger than the things that are in, that, 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 are, that are tormenting us, bigger than the things that we think are a reality, bigger than the things that we think are going to defeat us, that God is way bigger, that in a moment, what takes, takes people months, years to get people just back to walking, in a second, God fixes it all. And I believe in a God who heals. And I believe in a God who saves. And the thing is, is that man was saved by simply one name, in the name of Jesus. And it's simply in that name that you can find freedom. It's simply in that name that you can find healing. It's simply in that name that you can be made whole. It's simply in that name that you can move from death to life, that you can experience life and life to the fullest, that you can be made brand new. So I believe in this book. I believe in this story that it's not just a story that we read, but it's a story for you. And I'm going to pray, and I apologize for crying, and uh, I'm going to pray. We're going to close out. Go birds. And uh, then if you, if you have anything in your life that you want prayer over, um, I'll be over there. And uh, I don't know which one looked like it had more room. And uh, I'll be over there. And if you need prayer for anything, I'd love to pray with you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you because, because you're good. 
because you love us, because, because you see right through the stuff in our lives sometimes. Oh, God, we come to you and we're asking for one thing. Um, what, you're, what we're asking for is a symptom of a greater wound. God, and this morning, I, I would pray that um, for some of us, that if we're going to come up for prayer, God, that, we would, that you would reveal to us the greater wound so that we can leave it at the feet of Jesus. God, and I thank you that the name of Jesus has so much power, the power to heal, the power to set free, the power to save, that, that you don't have to stay the way that you are, that while we were still sinners, that you died for us, that we can have life and life to the fullest, that we can know you, that we can be put back into the life and the design that you created humanity to be in, and that's in a relationship with you. So, Father, we praise you and we love you. We do this in your son's holy name. Amen.